Well, I can say in the last 10 years, for sure, the last 10 to 15, um, I'll just say, there's a lot more white people in Oakland than there used to be. And a lot wealthier white people in Oakland than there used to be. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. But what it does mean is the traditional communities that have been here, they're not here anymore. So where are they? In a volatile housing market, lenders, investors, and landlords determine who can afford to live where. Renters hope that the so-called invisible hand does not deliberately flip their buildings or displace their community. Government officials try to mediate the instability, but the forces of capitalism prove difficult to constrain. As opposed to unstable, profit-driven motives, some of Oakland's local organizations take a permanent and communal approach to land and housing. The community land trust model keeps land off the market and in community control in perpetuity. Developed during the civil rights movement, the Modern Community Land Trust offers long-term affordable housing, land, and ownership. Much like a conservation land trust protects natural ecosystems from development forever, the community land trust preserves and stewards a shared home for future generations. In California especially, land increases in value every year, making it an enticing investment for outsiders, but increasingly inaccessible to local and native people. In Oakland, Two land trusts with different structures and goals keep land off the speculative market permanently and collectively. The Segorite Land Trust and Oakland Community Land Trust work to build community, prevent displacement, and provide stability indefinitely. The foreclosure crisis of 2009 epitomizes the instability of the housing market and its human casualties. People lost their homes and jobs after racial predatory lending caused the bubble to burst with only banks receiving bailouts. While discriminatory lending targeted black Americans, their families continued to suffer the brunt of the recession and will still have a median wealth $98,000 lower in 2031 than if the market hadn't crashed. The housing crash didn't just foreclose homes, but also futures, when families could no longer save for down payments or college tuition. Oakland was no exception, but as Steve King, executive director of the Oakland Community Land Trust, will tell you, the climax of the crisis became part of a solution. So we were founded in 2009, um, and that was the height of the foreclosure crisis here in Oakland. Um, which was just really devastating and on, in the city. Um, there were 13,000 foreclosures in Oakland. Um, and in a city of 400,000 people, that actually equates to one in five owner-occupied households. So, you know, 20% of all the homeowners in Oakland lost their homes. Shakina Samaya, who you heard at the top of the episode, explains the difference it made for her and her husband, Chris Thomas, when buying their century-old craftsman home in the Flatlands through the OCLT. We couldn't afford this house now. 
The only reason we could, even with the land trust, the only reason we could, we we kind of got in right at the right time. It was the perfect, the perfect moment where prices were low enough, you know, after the the 2009 recession, we hit just right at that moment that we could get into this house. We could not get into housing in Oakland now. It's not possible. There's not a house on this block that has gone for less than $500,000. There's nothing in this neighborhood that is worth a quarter million dollars or a half a million dollars or more than a half a million dollars, except that the market forces are supporting paying that. So something is worth what people will pay for it. So people are paying that. But you see you see our house, it's, it's beautiful, but it's small, you know, and it's cluttered because it's small. Every house on this block looks something like this house. This development was was established almost a hundred years ago. Every one of these houses are craftsman houses. They were all built around that same time, 1927, 1928. They're all approximately the same amount of square feet. The one next door to us has an upper level. On that side, they have an upper level. So maybe they're a little bit bigger by a few hundred feet or so, but these are still all maximum three bedroom, two bathroom homes or less, two bedroom, one bathroom homes, half a million dollars, 650, seven in this neighborhood. That's crazy. And that's not sustainable. And even the land trust, if the land trust, if we weren't here and they were to resell this house now in today's market, they would probably sell it for somewhere around 275 to 350, which is, you know, a steal below market. We couldn't afford that. We couldn't afford to be in our own house. <laughs> so where are the people going? That's how Oak CLT was started in that context where a, a group of East and West Oakland residents um, that had been experiencing predatory lending, losing their homes to foreclosure, organized to um, really come up with a different strategy of regaining community control over um, over housing and land, um, and really trying to halt speculation um, where it was happening and, and destabilizing longtime Oakland families. Um, and so Shamar's the house that Shamar lives in, we acquired during that time and was rehabbed, and so he was able to purchase purchase it at an affordable price. Then. Shamar Theus and Shakina now own their homes within walking distance of each other in East Oakland through the Oakland Community Land Trust. This is Shamar, OCLT board member and proud dog owner. Yeah, I mean, I've been a renter. I was a renter in Oakland maybe about 10 years ago. And just experiencing just the rising cost and the instability that came with not owning and renting. Um, and I was just really lucky to be able to access uh, affordable home ownership through the Community Land Trust. And yeah, I've been there for eight years now. It's been a really uh, incredible experience, very much like stabilizing. And uh, yeah, it's also just been like, I think, fulfilling to be a part of 
kind of this fight for uh, changing the way that uh, land and housing is seen in Oakland. You know, I've got friends who were living here before I moved here, who are long since, like, just been like, yeah, no, screw it, like, rent's too expensive, it's too much of a hassle, like, I don't have good relationships with my neighbors, like, my neighborhood's changing kind of a thing, and it's, like, not the way it was when, like, I first, like, all kinds of different reasons why people move. Um, but for me personally, like, having that kind of stable housing has just been, like, a f good foundation, like, in my life. Things can change, I can change jobs, you know, a pandemic can happen and like throw a whole wrench in everything. But at the end of the day, just having, you know, stable, affordable, consistent housing that's of good quality is like, you know, a good kind of thing to kind of anchor you down. Shakia is one of the land trust most outspoken advocates. She shares what she and her husband, Chris, call their forever home in East Oakland through the OCLT. I believe it is the model to support long-term, affordable, stable housing security. And it works well along all lines of the political spectrum. But being part of Oakland and being an Oakland native is lifelink because of all of the people that I'm connected to and all of the things in Oakland that I'm connected to with um, Land Trust is part of that, but also just other things in the community. My church that I grew up in is part of that. But this is our forever home. So when we got those keys and walked into the house as ours, yeah. it was like, we have some stability that we had never had. And both of us, I'm gonna speak for Chris now, um, even though we grew up in very different places and very different environments, both of us grew up very poor. I grew up in a mobile home, in mobile home park. As a young adult, I developed this dream and this desire of being able to own a home one day. But for a period of time in my adult life, I experienced homelessness. I was, I was literally couch surfing and living in other people's space for over two years. And Chris separately as a young adult had a similar experience with, with shelters, right? So that dream, which was formed in, in those experiences of becoming a homeowner, of having stability, the day we got the keys, the day that closed and we were in this house and moving in and doing the work of moving in, it was like, never again can anybody take this from me, from us. And that was, I guess, the relief. Would, would you say that's true for you too? That's partial, that's true for me too. Yeah, like I said, um, yeah, growing up, Poor, growing up struggling and uh, for two periods of time in my life homeless and dealing with shelters and dealing with having to live with other people sometimes family sometimes other friends and it was hard and I was just like one day I don't know when or how but one day I want to have my own 
I'm going to have my own. And then with me and Shakina and her and I both having that life goal together, if we had opportunities to build upon it and make it happen with Land Trust, we just went for it and we both just said, we got to do this because it's our only chance. So yes, we, we did it. And that's just how it was. To realize the dream was magical. Yes. Now, Shakina devotes her time to the OCLT through board membership to provide that stability for other longtime community members. The general philosophy of a community land trust is that the land is in community control of the organization and therefore remains out of the ups and downs of the speculative property market. And that ensures over time, the ability to have housing stability, the community to have a, uh, a say in what happens in the community, and it builds generational wealth. That's the model. And uh, the partnership is the organization holds that land as a trust, like any kind of a financial trust, and the occupants own the improvement, the structure, the home. Through the ownership have all of the rights and responsibilities of home ownership. So the mortgage, and with the mortgage comes credit right, the ability to build credit, comes the ability to build equity, to tap into that, that um, increased value, right, without it being a speculative thing. So I said earlier that this is our forever home. What that means for us is we're probably not going to sell, right? I mean, where are we gonna go? Truthfully, even if we sold the house, we couldn't afford to go into the speculative market in Oakland. The only thing we could do would be to leave. And maybe, I don't know, maybe when we retire, we want to travel the world or something. Maybe that's an option. But if we were going to sell, we would have the right to realize some financial gain between what we purchased and what we sell at, right? That's equity. That's building wealth. And then what we do with that is our choice. We can pass the home onto another income qualified family member if we so choose to do that. So we have all of those rights that any homeowner has. And that is hugely different than paying rent, you know? And then the other thing is that the mortgage part, you know, and, and by that I specifically mean the principal and interest that we pay on the mortgage, that never changes, unlike rent. The OCLT provides 99-year ground leases to resident owners who own their homes on the land. At the end of 99 years, their family members can renew the lease. If Shakina and Chris chose to sell, their lease requires that it be to another low-income family. The lease would be indefinite if not for the legal restriction in California to 99 years. 
Shakina goes on to explain how the OCLT has grown and changed to meet the needs of the community during the housing crisis. Well, we've been very, very fortunate to benefit from financial resources, both loans and gifts uh, to help acquire and grow our portfolio. And by acquire, I mean we've been able to acquire both single family residences and multifamily or, or multi-resident units that have literally prevented people from becoming homeless. It has prevented displacement. One of the really frustrating things that happened, and this is before we were involved, but I know this through my board work, that happened with the housing crisis of 2009 is when the land trust was formed. And fun fact, by the way, I knew I knew that we were supposed to be part of the land trust the day that I found out that the land trust, the Oakland Community Land Trust was legally and formally incorporated on the day and date that we had our first date. And that was completely separate. But when I saw when I saw that, I'm like, oh yeah, it was meant to be. You know, it just took some time to pull it together, right? But it was meant to be. But when the land trust was incorporated as a legal entity in 2009 and attempted to acquire a significant amount about tried to acquire between 200 its goal was between i believe 200 and 250 foreclosed upon properties in both west and east oakland during that period of time they were able to get 18. <laughs> and one of the reasons that they were only able to get 18 at that time and this is one of them and shamars is one of them too is because there were speculative corporations, um, uh, real estate investment corporations that were able to swoop in with bucket loads of cash. Several of those purchased properties that went into the speculative for-profit real estate market is what in the last five years, the land trust has been able to purchase from those those businesses, those greedy bastard landowners, and I'm not talking about the individual person who bought a property as their retirement, you know, um, plan. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about like what West Westwood or um, right. We're talking about these big, big Wall Street funded corporations that bought these properties, and then what did they do? They significantly, consistently kept increasing the rents 100%, 200%, 300%, right? To the point where people were were being displaced or on the edge of being displaced. So the land trust has been able in some cases, very, very few, we're nowhere near that 200, right? Maybe a handful of properties, but able to buy those properties back and prevent displacement of the people in those homes, in those multi-unit buildings. And that has been significant. It's nowhere near enough. But it, you know, if it has prevented 
one family or two families or three families or a community of people from being in those tent cities, then that is an impact. Moms for Housing, who made headlines for occupying an empty home in Oakland when their family were in need of housing, exemplify Shakina's point. Steve explained how the OCLT was able to collaborate with them to secure stable housing. Moms for Housing, you know, they um, really courageously took over a house that was owned by a speculator in Oakland, a notorious California speculator that, um, um, yeah, just kind of a notorious bad actor that was recently um, sued by the state attorney general and they just uh, announced a settlement a few months ago. Um, but so the moms, you know, obviously um, occupied that house in sort of an act of civil disobedience, um, really around this notion of um, speculation in, in the Oakland flatland neighborhoods. Um, and one of their demands was that, they, that the owner sell the house to the land trust. Um, so we were kind of there as a, as a partner um, to negotiate with Wedgwood and, um, and yeah, we're ultimately successful in, in making that happen. And we just finished the rehab of that house um, in November. And as of just about two weeks ago, it's fully occupied by two different, two different families, uh, moms with, with children. Shakina and Chris understand the dire circumstances of displacement. They say without the land trust, they would likely be in an encampment in Oakland because leaving after being priced out is not an option. It's not a choice. If you got to remember, a significant portion of these people have jobs. Where, what, you're just going to pack up and get another job somewhere? have roots in the community you're gonna leave that it's not a choice you stay because where you're gonna go so what is at stake for people who are forced out of their homes what does it mean for people who can stay in oakland through the land trust when i met chris on our first date i told him three things so by the end of that date he knew where I stood. And it wasn't where I stood with him, it was where I stood in my life. And he was free to decide if he wanted to see me again or not, right? But I told him I intended to be married, I intended to own a home one day. <laughs> and I wanted stability. That, and, and I had worked really hard on myself as a person to get to that point before I ever met him. And I had created a vision that was about how I wanted my life to be and how I wanted my marriage to be. And that vision is the same for our home. And that's what I have here. And, and I actually created this, uh, actually it's dated here. I, I developed this in 2005. And I met him, no, we started dating in 2009. And we bought this house in 2013. And our home is a reflection of this, of our marriage, what was my and is now our marriage vision. 
There's six paragraphs here, but one of them is about the home. We build financial wealth, stability, and security through successful careers where we have fun and thrive. We create a stable, secure, warm, and peaceful home where we feel supported, nurtured, and safe, and our friends and family are always welcome. That's what home means. And to me, home means a place to just be and be able to just say, yes, this is mine. Yes, I can enjoy my space. And I don't have to worry about nobody coming in my space and disrupting my space that I'm enjoying. Because like I said, growing up in Oakland, growing up poor and in those two periods of time when we were, when, I, when my family we were homeless, there was no peace. In my house, I have peace. That's what home means, a place of peace. The land trust can also be oriented more toward preservation of land rather than primarily housing. The Segorite Indigenous Women-Led Land Trust operates as an alternative model to steward and rematriate sacred ancestral land for spiritual and cultural purposes as well as for survival. Before the housing crisis, or the community land trust model, the Lashan native peoples belonged to the land called Huchin. Now known as the East Bay for thousands of years, despite the genocide by Catholic Spanish missions and the U.S. federal Indian policy, indigenous people endured 200 years of colonial exploitation, slavery, and extermination. Descendants of the Lashan survivors reclaimed their connection to the unceded land through the confederated villages of Lashan after concealing their culture for survival. Today, through the Segorite Land Trust, led by urban indigenous women, the unrecognized and landless Olani tribe restores and rematriates the land and the people who still belong to it. Through direct action and community organizing, they reoccupy land that is being exploited and developed. Their goal is to return indigenous land to indigenous people. The Segorite Land Trust serves as a land base in traditional Lashan territory for restorative work like urban gardens, ceremonial spaces, and emergency response hubs. Rematriating rather than repatriating the land means breaking patriarchal and colonial relationships between land and people in favor of reciprocity and stewardship. This restores the matrilineal link to continue for hundreds of generations more, or as many Native people say, for seven generations. After all, the first gentrification in the United States was colonization, when foreigners came across the territory displacing its residents and erasing their histories. And when that fact becomes the context for our understanding of the human right to home, we can more deeply comprehend that as struggles are interlinked, solutions can be too. This is Unhousing, Claiming the Human Right to Home, a Moral Courage Project. 
A collaboration between the University of Dayton Human Rights Center and Proof, Media for Social Justice. I'm your host, Amaria Jones. The episode was written by Josie Forstall and features original music from Eric Charlton. Moral Courage Radio is produced by Joel Proust. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with all your friends. Click subscribe in the app and leave us a glowing review. This will help other listeners find us.